You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Morning, Perth. Welcome to another edition of 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. You've got Johnny No Mates in the uh, in the chair, or as he's commonly known, Subudio International, Australian Subudio International, Hugh Best. And those who go, no, he's not. Went to the World Cup 2018. Yeah, you know, past glories are always <laughs> past glories. Uh, we've got a big show lined up today. Even though I'm sitting and flying solo. We will have two hours of wonderful entertainment and news concerning all things great about our game, the world football game, as is in the name. Uh, Before we start, I'd like to thank our wonderful partners who make this show possible. Thanks to Greg Farrell and Futsal WA. Greg joins us regularly to talk all things futsal and you can register your team in the Superliga. There's a new uh, league starting up very, very shortly. Uh, we had Greg on just uh, a few weeks ago, and he was very, very super excited. He'd only just come back from his international trip to watch some international futsal. we also like to thank Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron for custom-built fencing and gates. And Gate and Fence Hardware WA for fence and gate components and automation to upgrade and protect your property without those wonderful partners and their generosity we may not be on this show you can also become a member of the station by ringing during office hours monday to friday and signing up your membership helps this station continue we are a community-based station and we rely on the generous support of not only our wonderful sponsors for this particular show but the wonderful sponsors for all the shows across the programming grid Big show today. As I say, World Cup coming up starting next week. 
the opening game with uh, Qatar versus... Oh, I've forgotten now. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, it starts next um, next Monday, officially our time, because I think the kickoff is um, mid- uh, midnight. Where did I have that one? Match centre, pressing the button. Match centre, going to... Going to... Oh, you... No, of course it did. It would actually go and change to everything that I don't want. Sensational. Never mind, we'll get onto that one later on in the show. A-League results coming up as well. There's uh, another big week. The result last night, a bit of a shock for those that were expecting the victory to romp to another A-League championship. They got stuffed by Adelaide United 3-0. And I can hear you all cheering out there. Except for those uh, who are wearing the the big white V. Oh, wait. Melbourne Victory, with their eye on their heritage, have decided to take that big white V off. I thought that was a um, <laughs> a brave move, for want of a better fray, uh, thought. But, um, you know, you have a particular shirt design and then you change it. bit like when the glory went out of the, um, the purple and white stripes and decided to go all purple. But the good... Those that uh, regularly have seen the glory throughout their various incarnations of their particular shirt designs know that we started in that purple with the the sunburst, went to the stripes, but, you know, we still maintain that. But that white V was fairly uh, iconic in the fact that it was V for victory. Take that away from them and they're they're just another another side that um, are trying to do the best they can. There it is. It came up eventually. They're playing Ecuador. Of course they are. I've got some news about Ecuador. Um, their particular um, hoo-ha, for those that know, Ecuador were facing sanction for fielding ineligible players to earn their 2022 World Cup spot. But Ecuador uh, were trying... To, well, sorry, it was... Um, Chile. Chile who were trying to get Ecuador um, booted out. But FIFA have said, no, no, that's OK. They've, uh, they're in there. We don't want to change any of the advertising, any of the fixturing, any of the, uh, the branding that comes along. So Ecuador will play in this year's World Cup in Qatar after the Court of Arbitration for Sport said Byron Castillo whom Chile claimed was ineligible to play during the qualifiers, was deemed to be Ecuadorian. Good news for Ecuador. Better news for Castillo. Not so good for Chile. Chile will, however, get a three-point deduction at the start of the qualifying campaign for the 2026 World Cup, which will be held in Canada, USA and Mexico, and must also pay a fine of 100,000 Swiss francs which works out to about 101,605 and 36 cents Australian, depending on which currency uh, exchange you want to use. And the reason for that fine was the use of a document containing false information. So you can work through the, uh, through the wording there. So was Castillo actually Ecuadorian when he played or was he not actually Ecuadorian when he played? They continued to say that since the nationality of a player with a national association is determined by national laws, 
subject to time limits in case of a change of a sporting nationality, as we saw with the likes of... Um, well, not heuristic, but um, Tim Cale way back when, because he did actually represent Fiji uh, as a youth international. But they changed that rule as well. But this one's more um, fluid in what you can do, uh, as was the case with Bruno Fornaroli, Ecuador, uh, Uruguayan international. You qualify for citizenship, nationality for a different country. You put in the paperwork from the National Association and then the governing bodies can make their decision. Byron Castillo was eligible to play in the preliminary rounds of the FIFA World Cup 2022, the um, Court of Arbitration said. Cass also added that the decision was based on the fact that the Ecuadorian authorities acknowledged Castillo as an Ecuadorian national. Ecuador had been drawn alongside Qatar, Senegal and the Netherlands in Group A at the finals. And the South American team will play the host in the opening match of the tournament, which kicks off on, for us, here in the West, no, uh, November the 21st at midnight. In September, FIFA dismissed Chile's appeal following the original complaint that Castillo was born in Colombia in 1995 and not in the Ecuadorian city of General Villamala Palas in 1998, as stated on its official documents. However... Cass said the Ecuadorian Football Federation violated Article 21 of the FIFA Disciplinary Code for the use of a document containing false information. While the player's Ecuadorian passport was indeed authentic, nice to see that we're not uh, forging passports, uh, some information provided therein was false. In particular, the panel was comfortably satisfied that the player's date and place of birth were incorrect since the player was actually born in Colombia in 1995, the panel deemed it necessary to hold the Ecuadorian Football Federation liable for an act of falsification, even if the Ecuadorian Federation was not the author of the falsified documents, but only the user. Ecuador have always denied that the player was ineligible. They said using the correct eligibility criteria to select Castillo, and they were analysing the next steps as they did not agree with the sanctions imposed. Castillo played in eight of Ecuador's qualifying games, including twice against Chile for the World Cup, and they finished fourth to secure their place in the finals. Peru finished fifth in the South American qualifiers, and we know what happened to them. Thank you very much, Arnie. And regarding the points deduction imposed on Ecuador, Cass said the panel determined that the three-point deduction should not be imposed in the present preliminary competition to the FIFA World Cup because... If it had been, Ecuador would not have qualified. But rather in the next edition, considering that the player was eligible to play in the preliminary competition to the FIFA World Cup 2022. Also on Tuesday, Ecuador coach Gustavo Alalfo criticised the decision to change the date of the World Cup's opening match between his side and host Qatar, which has given him, hold on to your hats, one less day to prepare. Crikey, you've only qualified since forever, but you've now got one day less and you want to go, it's not fair, turn it up, turn it up. I, Alfaro said, I have one less day of preparation. We were overtaken. We were not consulted if there was any problem in bringing forward the match from the 21st to the 20th, which is Northern Hemisphere time frame. The Argent, 
well, he is Argentinian. The, Argent, the manager questioned the amount of time he had to work with his squad compared to other teams as the World Cup. And players have been made available for five months in their championship. Now, I don't want to uh, have an advantage, he said, but I do want the same rights as everyone else. The others have seven days and I have six. Why do I have six? Why don't they give me that a day before to work with the squad? You should be thanking the Court of Arbitration that they have allowed you to play in the World Cup. But that's just my opinion. And let me just say right from the word go, the thoughts, views and discussion expressed on this particular show do not necessarily reflect the members, board or the station as a whole at Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. They are the exclusive thought processes of the author. And that uh, article came from ESPN. So thank you very much to ESPN for that one. Oh, actually, it came from Reuters. That was dated the 9th of November 2022. So there you go. We, as I say, will be having a slightly different show as compared to our normal world football program. We will have an interview in the second hour with Ross Paul, the owner of One Touch Football Soccer Academy. Oh, One Touch Soccer Academy. Uh, and he is also the head of female youth development at Perth Soccer Club. So stick around for that. That will be an excellent chat, and I am looking forward to that. We have all sorts of things lined up, some music content. We will have some... Oh, I'm trying to look for it. The lovely Penny told me that there were some new sweepers available and I'm just trying to find those at the moment. And when I do, we'll get those on. But never mind, we will get all sorts of things on. I've got, oh, there we go. We can play that one. Oh, no. We got that one there. Never mind. Right. Bumbling along as per normal. You're on 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme with Johnny No Mates. Plenty more to come. You stick with us. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www futsalwa.org.au
top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Welcome back to Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. Just then we heard a bit of a uh, theme from the Brazil 2014 World Cup edition. Still with World Cup news, it's great news to see that... uh, Garanquo has been picked for the Socceroo squad to go to Qatar. Oh, I said it. Damn it. I'm trying to <laughs> not give them the advertising that they have. Uh, anyway, one of the um, articles I came across, and this is thanks to uh, Samantha Lewis at the ABC. It's not about the colour of your skin anymore, says Socceroo defender Thomas Deng, and he wants to use the World Cup to open Australia's football doors. In late September, as the Socceroos were completing their pre-match warm-ups before a friendly game against New Zealand, three players separated themselves from the main group and drifted over to one corner of the field at Lang Park. Loosened from their regimented warm-up drills, they were now free to play and express themselves however they liked. And with just a single ball between them, the trio began passing, flicking, volleying and curling the ball around the tight triangle they had formed in the grass. One of them was the aforementioned Karankuol, and he tried an ambitious bit of skill that fell flat. The other two more senior players, Thomas Dang and Awamabil, grinned and applauded the effort. Uh, and if those who had seen that during the warm-up remember that, it was quite, yeah, it was quite funny. He, um, yeah, no fear in trying some skills that wouldn't be astray if Cristiano Ronaldo had tried them. It was a small moment that could have easily been lost in the build-up of the main event. And it would, as it was the last time the Socceroos played on home soil, but it stuck in it stuck in my mind, and it stuck in Sam's mind as well. Samantha, um, sorry, sorry, Samantha, Samantha Lewis's mind, as it was just one of those things that it came to represent the Socceroos' identity of how over time this group has come to mirror the changing face of modern Australia and modern football. 2018, Deng and Mabil made history as the first two South Sudanese Australians to represent the Socceroos at a senior men's national game as they debuted together in the 4-0 win over Kuwait. The story of that day practically wrote itself. Both their families had fled war-torn South Sudan in the 1990s and after spending their first few years of their childhood in refugee camps around Africa, they settled into nearby suburbs in Adelaide, which is where they first met as kids. They went to school together and even played at the same junior club, Adelaide Blue Eagles, before navigating their own respective pathways up the Australian football pyramid. Deng, of course, we know, ended up at Melbourne Victory and Mobile with Adelaide United in the A-League men's competition. They are practically brothers, according to them. They So to make their Socceroo debut was, I, I reckon, probably you know, a, 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 you know, a moving experience for the pair of them. Some of Deng's earliest memories are of transitioning from the dusty roads and open skies of Nairobi, where he and his four siblings were raised, to the tarmac streets and suburbs sprawl of Adelaide. And those tarmac streets and urban sprawl of Adelaide, I know quite well, would have been a fair culture shock. As Deng said, I have vivid memories of playing on the streets with my brothers in Kenya and followed them wherever they went playing football. I remember when I was that young, I hated going to school. And even though it was just across the road, my sister or my mum would walk me there to make sure I ended up instead of running back home. The transition to Australia wasn't easy. Luckily for me and my siblings, we could speak English. So that made things a little easier. And the fact that we had a football made it even more comfortable. Thomas Crang is... um, 
picked by FIFA as one of the emerging players and one to watch for the upcoming game at the 2022 World Cup. I'm just trying to... There it is. Oh, my goodness. I had that and then it left. Let me go back to it. Bumbling along, but I found it. So, again, with the World Cup starting next weekend, let's just run through those groups again in case you have forgotten, unsure or may have just missed it. Group A is... As I say, the opening there was the aforementioned Qatar and Ecuador kicking off the competition, and that is followed by Senegal versus Netherlands. Group B has England, Iran, USA and Wales. Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. Group D has France, Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. So that's our group, as I've just said. Group E, Spain, Costa Rica, Germany and Japan. Group F has Belgium as the seeded team, Canada, Morocco and Croatia. Group G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. And Group H has Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay and the Korean Republic. Now, news overnight with Senegal, Sadio Mane will be going to the World Cup but is definitely injured and initial reports that the injury will take between four to eight weeks to heal, uh, proving, well, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a month in between. You know, four to eight is, you know, is it one month or is it three months? He's been picked and Senegal are hoping to get out of that group, which, as I said, has Qatar, Ecuador and the Netherlands in it. And they are expecting Sadio Mane to be fit for... The second round, oh, if it just stops going ding, I'll be very happy. I'm sure you'll be as well. Um, but as I said, if you go to a certain um, international soccer, well, the FIFA Plus website, um, they have an app, which is what I'm using it from. They have gone, Graham Arnold's thing, um, they do a bit of a, a, bit of a note on uh, our Grey Wiggle who is hated in Peru, apparently. Absolutely hated in Peru. I don't know why. But, as I said, the one to watch is Carancual. He's yet to start a league match for his club and only came on, or came into the Socceroos fold a couple of months ago. Teenager, as I just mentioned, with um, Thomas Deng and Abu Mbil. Kroll is one of the most popular and talked about selections in Australia's squad due to the obvious potential he possesses. This talented forward, who has already agreed a move to English giants Newcastle United after the World Cup, is unlikely to start for the Socceroos in Qatar. But Graham Arnold's description of the 18-year-old as an, and I quote, impact player, reflects his ability to alter the course of matches. Arnold says he's already a player who has absolutely zero fear and just goes out and wants to entertain. And he selected him in the 26-man squad. He can change a game with a flick of a switch and there are not many players who can do that. I would actually go a little bit further, Arnie, and say there aren't many players who in the history of the Socceroos were able to do that. I can think of a few. Paul Ocon comes to mind immediately. You know, Al Harry was another one. Aaron Moy is another one. But, you know, there you go. That's uh, parts there. And, of course, uh, Kurong says um, 
I'm just happy to put on the jersey regardless of my age. And that's it. We've said this here plenty of times. And co-presenter of this particular show, Sean has always said, old enough means that you're good enough or good enough means that you're old enough, whichever way you want to use that argument. If you've got the skills, it doesn't matter how old you are. So good news there. I've got plenty more news to come. And you're all going, yeah, that's great news. Okay, good work. Now, in the A-League, as I said last night, um, we had the result, Melbourne victory, well, Adelaide United 3, Melbourne victory nil. Uh, Games coming up today is Newcastle Jets versus Melbourne City. That's a 2pm kickoff. Western Sydney Wanderers will be playing Sydney FC in the Sydney Derby, of which there's a couple now. Wellington Phoenix will play Western United and the Mariners Coals team will be playing MacArthur. And that is excellent news there. While we are still on the um, the A-League, I will have to go down a uh, slightly... Uh, well, not nice path, but we've got to get the balance of... Um, Balance of commentary. Put some music in the background so you go, geez, he's going on a bit, isn't he? Underneath me now, we have from the 2002 Fever Pitch World Cup, it is the South African anthem. Brave, strong, and true. But yeah, Sydney United 58 have been fined $15,000 and sanctioned by Football Australia for behaviour of some of their supporters at last month's Australia Cup final. Pictures on social media showed some Sydney supporters making... making salutes during MacArthur's 2-0 win. And it drew condemnation from the Australian Jewish community. It drew condemnation from us here at the World Football Program and drew condemnation from the worldwide footballing community. That sort of behaviour just cannot continue, cannot be condoned. And luckily enough, the FA have gone hardcore on the semi-professional club. Sydney were founded as Sydney Croatian 58 and some fans of the cup final sang some songs associated with the far right. Ustasi movement of Croatia from the mid-30s and 40s and also chanting and booing as the Indigenous Welcome to Country ceremony was being performed. However, the club did say multiculturalism, multiculturalism and inclusivity are two of the game's fundamental pillars and will continue to be a priority for our club and its supporters. That's good news. Uh, highlighting those that were involved in that and handing out life bans would be, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, like I said earlier on, it's just my opinion, would have been a more reasonable sanction. But it's just my opinion. Still cannot find those... Uh, New bits there, Penny. I'm still looking. Never mind. We'll get onto it. You've got Huey here in the chair as Johnny No Mates 
on 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program. It is a music and news-heavy show today with the World Cup coming up. We'll get into the Matildas game that's coming up against world-ranked number two Sweden. That is going to be huge. I also have some news about the USA-Germany game that has absolutely exploded over in the US. But let's keep that music vibe happening. Stay tuned. Plenty more world football news to come. Come on, you know the words. Thank you. 
Yes, indeed. Now, I don't know what club actually has that as their theme. Whoop! That's me again. I don't know what club has that as a theme. Can you name one? I can think of one that I was uh, slagging off earlier on. Oh, was I slagging them off? I don't think I was. Anyway, women's football, the internationals, it's all international friendlies, which is lucky enough. So currently at halftime, New Zealand nil, South Korea one. Come on, you Kiwis, get in there. But as I was saying, overnight, the USA playing at home, one, Germany, two, and the the internet has gone bang because that is the first time that the US women's national team have lost three games in a row since, do you want to have a guess? Since what? 2015? Mm, not really. No, 1993 was the last time the US women's national team lost three in a row. I can remember us getting absolutely stuffed by a few when uh, Gustafsson took over and quite badly. I don't know about you, but uh, if it was me and somebody said, you know, in a pre-World Cup friendly, you narrowly got beat by Germany 2-1, I'd be going, oh, not ideal, but good result. Um, Kelly Lloyd, superstar from the US Women's National Team, has absolutely slammed them going, you, the winning culture of the US Women's National Team has been diluted to the point where if you put on the Guernsey, that's good enough. She has indicated that, that is not good enough. And if you have four stars on your shirt, I don't believe it's good enough either. But, again, as I say, that's just my opinion. What would I know? Other results from overnight. Italy, nil. Austria, one. So the Italians will be coming to Australia for the 2023 edition of the World Cup. So that's a difficult uh, one to take for them. But... Pre-World Cup friendlies are exactly that. That being said, I would like the Matildas to get a decent result against Sweden. Switzerland won, Denmark two. Here's a, here's a shot, or is it? Olympic gold medalist Canada two, Brazil one. England four. Stuff Japan nil. And we're going for the lineup there. Goal scored by Rachel Daly in the 38th minute, Chloe Kelly in the 53rd minute, Ella Toon in the 77th minute, and Jessica Park scores in West Bromwich Albion time. It was 90 plus one. She got that one for the fourth goal. Um, unbelievable. 4-0. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's frightening to see how that English team under Weedman are just not only rolling along, they are steamrolling sides. Part of that three-game losing streak that the US women's national team had was against European champions England. And again, I cannot understand why the US are going. But if you have a culture of winning and winning everything every time you go into the field of play, any loss is a hard, is a hard loss to take. Other results, Netherlands 4, Costa Rica 0. These are all um, women's international friendlies from overnight. France, one, Norway, two, and the highlight, the outstanding result or the, the, the eye-catching result, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, is Spain versus Argentina. Spain, seven, Argentina, nil. 
Uh, Redondo got the scoring going in the 19th minute. And Samila Paluso scored a hat-trick. 7-1. And Gabaro. Hello to Miranda Templeman. Gabaro from the um, youth setup of Spain came on and she put a goal in and we saw Gabaro put that hat-trick plus uh, the young Matildas in the World Cup edition uh, at Costa Rica. So we already know her pedigree and she is proving it at the scene level now as well, which is good news for Spain, not so good news for the rest of the world. Getting back to the Lionesses, they're undefeated run. So as much as I was giving the the Americans a bit of a hard time about their three-game uh, winless streak, Serena Wigman's Lionesses with that 4-1, uh, 4-0 result over Japan last night have now gone 25 games without defeat. 25 games without defeat at international level. That's just, that's just unheard of. But there you go. When you've signed, well, when you do your due diligence and look for a coach who will not only improve your side, but develop, develop the side that is going to replace the side you're coaching now, that's when you get the strength. They would have to be favourite, along with Australia, along with the Matildas, to be World Cup winners. And the last time we saw a European side, oh no, it's France, wasn't it? France did the European, France men's side did the European and the World Cup in 2018. They did the, did they do the Euros in 2016? My brain's gone to bush. My brain's gone to mush. I remember Spain doing it when they won the World Cup in 2010. They were also European champs. They actually won those three tournaments in a row. European Championship in 2008, World Cup in 2010, and the European Championship in 2012. But that Spain side, not the powerhouse that it once was. Uh, And news overnight with um, Robert Lewandowski, the Polish striker playing for Barcelona, decided he wanted an early holiday before the World Cup started and for only the second time in his 500-plus career gets a red card. So he'll miss this weekend's fixture for Barcelona, which will make him cherry ripe fresh to get on the plane to get to that Middle Eastern oil-rich nation for the World Cup. Penny has got in touch with me. Many thanks, Penn. Thanks for listening. I have found (laughs) those uh, promos that she was tipping me into, which is good news. It's just coming up to a quarter to 11 here in Borloo. It is the World Football Programme on 107.9 Radio Fremantle that you are listening to. You've got Johnny No Mates in the chair. It's a music and news heavy show with the World Cup coming up next weekend. We thought we'd just do a little bit different just for the change of it. You can always voice an opinion either way by going to the World Football Facebook page. You can also restream the show at any time you like by going to either the Radio Fremantle homepage, clicking the Days tab, which you'll need Saturday, and then clicking the show of your choice. And 
I was remiss of me not to do so. Many thanks to Jerry and Frank for Celtic ramblings. I'm sure they will give me a kick up the backside next time they see me for not doing that as they left the studio. So many thanks, gentlemen. Safe trip home. They will be back next Saturday morning for another edition of Celtic Ramblings. It was an excellent show today. I actually thought they were going uh, on hiatus because they played a few Christmas songs there. I, thought, I asked, asked them off air, you didn't, that's not your last show. No, they'll be back next week, which is great. That Celtic Ramblings show is sensational. You keep listening to us. Plenty more news and information to come before we get Ross Paul from One Touch Soccer Academy to join us in the next hour. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth-generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers, just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, Chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor.
invest. Strategize, running with the crew. Now we're winning more than dollar signs. At the corner, tapping shoulder, no extra time, energy. Waiters, haters, talking about it, kind of elderly. Throwing numbers on the board, no jeopardy. Started at the bottom, now they want a referee. Got a lot of shots, aiming for the centerpiece. Out of time for all the drama, is a heavy lead. Hey, yo, we can bring it fast, and y'all move slow. When we get the pass, let's go, let's go. When we take the shots, you know, you know, like, hey, yo. Let's go, getting every shot from every angle. Making hella moves, getting money on the low. When we get the pass, let's go, let's go, like. These moves looking real nice in the future. These moves looking real nice in the future. These moves looking real nice in the future. Pull up on a minute, look nice, look nice. The way we build is strong and tactical. Moving big and packed and radical. Always maximum and past the capital. Never rational. No, this talent matching. Yo, got a problem. I know what you're thinking. What the? This is the one that Penny pointed me in the direction. This is the 2022 A-League thing. Enjoy. Fresh kit, pull up on them and it look nice. Yeah, it's looking nice. Don't stop a ball when we got the ball. When the team get the call, we're coming to take it all from the home field to the world stage. It'll be tight, that's right. Pull up on them and it look nice. Yeah, it's looking nice. These moves looking real nice in the future. These moves looking real nice in the future. These moves looking real nice in the future. Pull up on them and it look nice. Look nice. Yeah, we look nice. Future looking we don't need to tell them twice. Yeah, we look nice. Future looking real nice. We don't need to tell them twice. Oh. Back at the very beginning when it all started, when I was 15 and uh, United signed me straight from school and uh, went down after playing for Scotland School Boys and at home. And uh, so Matt Busby's um, half brother, Jimmy Matthew, was the, the chief scout. and. Uh, didn't believe at first. I thought it was all a hoax, and but as time went up past, and I played some trial matches, and eventually played for Scotland School Boys, and I came down to Manchester. But uh, that was the f that was the beginning, and I suppose the next part of the career was me playing my first game for the first thing, and that was um, you know a trip to New Zealand and Australia, and uh, we played in America first, and the team the first team had just won the champion the, the league in in England and uh, Brian Kidd and myself both started at 15 and it was our first trip with the first team and um, we went to America we lost two games in America went to New Zealand and um, the boss got his um, mall out after the training session and, and really threatened us more than anything else when he told us that uh, it didn't matter who we were or what we were we were going to win the European Cup the following year and um, if we, if we stood, got in his way and um, we were going to be out uh, then he named the side and um, Brian and myself were both named in the 11 to play um, an Auckland 11 in New Zealand and um, we went out and won 7 or 8 nil. But um, I'd been injured before the, the trip and uh, my knee blew up and they had to fly me home. So the only part of Australia that I saw, the boys were here for four weeks, was, um, was Sydney and, um, and Queensland. 
because it, it rained for the four weeks over here and we'd been away, I think we were away in total six weeks and uh, everybody wanted at that stage, wanted to take me home while I was the one that wanted to stay but the first teamers wanted to get home to their wives and kids I suppose and because it was a long, long tour but um, that was putting on the red shirt for the first time and going out with the likes of um, Law, Bess and Charlton was something that um, I'll never forget. And we're hearing an interview from Francis Burns, in case you're wondering, who's that? Francis Burns, Manchester United legend. And how he got to where he ended up. Happened the 2nd of September 1967, away to West Ham. I was taking Shea Brennan's place, who, you know, was a guy that had been at the club for a long, long time. He was, he was actually one of the, the, the players who played in the first game after the Munich disaster, when we played Sheffield Wednesday in an FA Cup tie, and he actually scored two of the goals that evening. So, um, you know, I ended up taking over Shea's place that day, and uh, and as we played against West Ham against the. Bobby Moores, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters and the guy I played against was a guy called Harry Redknapp that I'm sure everyone will know from his managerials at all the teams in the UK and of course at Queen's Park Rangers just now and I remember later on in, after I'd finished playing and I was out here and Peter, Peter Vlahov from 6NR and I went to the FA Cup final in 1996 Liverpool and Man U and um, it was the day when I Eric Cantona scored late on with a, a fabulous volley and United won 1-0 and it was our job to actually go around both sets, both clubs before the game and do the interviews to bring back to the people here in Perth and uh, one of them was Jamie Redknapp and when I was telling him how much how my debut was, it was against his dad and his first question he asked was, was he any good? And I said, he could catch pigeons, Jamie. So Jamie said, what are you trying to tell me, Fran? I take after my mother. So I said, that's up to you. I don't know how quick you are, Jamie, but you're certainly not as quick as your dad. That's funny. I can, I can catch pigeons. That's quick. Sydney Wanderers do that in the RBB. So the Socceroos have gone back to back to back to back to back. A fifth consecutive World Cup. Bring on the world in November. Do you recall the first steps taken 100 years ago, fatefully on the pitch of Dunedin? Or those who first showed us that it could be done in 74? Yeah! 
How did 100 years of glory and heartbreak make us who we are? Ask any of our legends down the years what it means to make it this far. Did they give anything less than 100%? Because what does football teach us but the fact that anything can happen? Coolest of fates for the Socceroos. Perhaps in those moments we found our defiance. A desire to say, I, I told you so. We've got to stop talking about when we're going to qualify. We've got to start talking about when we're going to win World Cups. From those moments comes the redemption. He's Success that looms so large. Australia's goal, the boy! He's done it again for at home! Maybe, just maybe, the journey was our very own. Whether in Adelaide or Aberdeen, Sydney or Zagreb, the coast of Kakuma, those first steps were taken. From fleeing war to finding a home down under, to leaving home at 14 to chase the dream, being told we're not good enough, not tall enough, too weak. Too physical and becoming a squad that reflects the face of our country like no other. Rejections, doubts, and nearly giving it all away. To becoming a cult hero. The grey wiggle does it for Australia. Through the slings and arrows of a thousand angry tweets, comments, and headlines, our boys found a way. Sixth squad to represent our nation of 26 million on the world stage. France, Tunisia, Denmark, and whoever comes after that. Just more challenges to overcome. We've been on many journeys, taken our own unique paths. But this story is never done. One squad, one World Cup, one jersey. Our turn to give it 100 once again. One squad, one World Cup. That's what we want football to be. You know, I know we have, you know, the, the demarcation of is it male, is it female. We want it to be football and football only. Now, breaking news, the starting lineup for the Matildas game, which will be kicking off very, very shortly, has just been released. And I can break it to you right now. You'll be already breaking news. Good on you, Huey. We will be playing our traditional 4-4-1-1. It's not a formation I enjoy. It's not a formation I would use. It's not a formation I think is best for us, but that's just my personal opinion. But Tegan Micah is the starting goalkeeper. Now, discuss. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Johnny No Mates here, so I'll discuss myself. She's the future uh, of the game. There's no two ways about that. Would we be starting it? Lydia Williams is on the bench, which is, uh, again... Um, yeah, you've got to start thinking, you know, very seriously about uh, Lydia hanging out the boots at an international level. She's still kicking on very, very strongly at club level, but for some reason, whether that's because he's promoting the next generation of Matildas, Gustafsson has often had Lydia on the bench. So we will be playing Sweden. So the lineup is. Nevin, Polkinghorn, Catley, Grant, Cooney Cross, Katrina Gorry, Caitlin Ford, Hallie Razzo, Courtney Vine, and the striker is all together now. The current Ballon d'Or winners, Sam Kerr. Well, we awarded it to her. Third place. That's a. That's a mm, we're not going into there. 
If you wish, I can go through the Swedish lineup, which has um, Musivic in goal, Bjorn, Sembrandt, Anderson, Kuhlberg, Jangelov, Rubinson, Benison, Blackstenius. Oh, Stina Blackstenius is playing. Damn it. Sophia Jacobson and Johanna Leeting Kanadid. And apologies to all those who speak Swiss for the butchering of those names. That's my fault. I did do some, well, when I say did do some research, I've actually pressed a button and I'll press it again. Australia in the last five games have not beaten Sweden, but the last of those, well, the first of those five games was way back in 2011, which was the World Cup. And I'll run through the lineup at that particular Matildas lineup, and you'll be absolutely amazed as to that lineup. So 2011, Australia won, Sweden three. That was from Augsburg. That was the World Cup that was held there. And the lineup was Barbieri, Kim Carroll, Uzula, Elise Kelman Knight, Elise Perry who was substituted for Tamika Yallop, Emily Van Egmont, who was substituted for Claire Porkinghorn, Colette McCullum, who was substituted for Sally Shepard, Heather Garriock, Caitlin Ford, Lisa Devanna, and Kaya Simon. And you're going, wait a minute, I thought Sam Kerr was playing around. Yeah, Sam Kerr was on the bench, as was Lydia Williams. That was a strong, strong lineup. But, yeah, they ended up on the wrong side of... The ledger on that one, uh, even though they had 51% of the play on that particular game. As I say, Australia will be playing Sweden very, very shortly. Um, The last time these two sides met was in the Women's Olympic Tournament and Sweden beat Australia 1-0. That was in August 2021. Australia have had... Two draws in those last five appearance uh, meetings, uh, one of which was uh, at the 2015 World Cup, which was a 1-1 draw, and the Women's International Friendly of 2021 was Sweden nil, Australia nil. So the last three results have been fairly tight, and we expect, I expect, the Matildas to get a Fair result there. Oh, where did that disappear? There was an article about Gustafsson telling us what he would um, what he would change. It's disappeared now. That's typical. When you rely on the internet and things disappear, it's very difficult to get them back. That'll help. So Gustafsson has... Ah, oh, there we go. There, That's the one I was looking for. Gustafsson has this stands by his decision to pit the Matildas against the strongest possible opponents in the preparation for the 2023 FIFA World Cup. I also do that. I know, Penny, you're also the same opinion. If you want to get better, the best way to do that is to play the best in the world. And Gustafsson has attempted to do that with some of his uh, opponents. And he's picking the opponents, which is exactly right as it should be. He's been in the job now for nearly two years, and he's um, coming up to the international. There's only four international windows before the World Cup in Australia starts. Um, we did play. Uh, we got Thailand coming up, and the game against, like I said, the world number two, Sweden. 
what people forget is that Australia were, you know, just moments away from getting at bronze medal in the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. And we had to play the US in that bronze medal game. So people go, oh, you know, we haven't done much. Yeah, we have. We've done heaps. Sweden finished third in the 2019 FIFA World Cup, which is an excellent result for them. And they podiumed in Tokyo. Well, Sweden will play their games in Group G at the World Cup, which will be against South Africa, Italy and Argentina. They will not be playing in Australia unless they continue through the group stage into the knockout stages because they will be based in New Zealand. Gustafsson has has had to deal with a constant string of injuries to his side, which has made continuity a little bit difficult for him. But as I say, Paris Saint-Germain keeper Lydia Williams is on the bench. Claire Wheeler's been picked. Emily Van Egmont. Kelman Knight makes a return after more than 12 months on the sidelines with injury. And Gustafsson said it's an emotional moment for the 113 cap veteran. And while it's wonderful to welcome her back into the green and gold, expectations should be managed. We shouldn't expect anything from KK right now, he said. We should just be happy that she's back in training with us and is back with the team. It's a big step back into international football. She's gone over 700 days without international football, so let's just be happy to have her back with the Matildas and back in the international team. Katrina Gorey has been in imperious form with the Matildas midfield, and that's what we're hoping will continue. So we look forward to that kickoff. That's uh, going to be played at Amy Park, and that's the first time the Matildas have played at Amy Park for more than three years. Let's think, when was the last time the Matildas came to Perth? Mm, let, I can't remember back that far. When was it, 2011? Somewhere around that time? Ridiculous. You know, we we deserve to see the Matildas, being that our captain comes from here. Oh, interna- oh that just popped up. International friendly from the men's side of things just popped up. Bahrain 2, Canada 2, South Korea 1, Iceland 1. One, Iran one, Nicaragua nil, and Panama and Saudi Arabia drew one all. Interesting thoughts there. Okay, we will, having mentioned that um, we're playing Sweden, I'm going to go back to that 20, oh, 2002 FIFA World Cup fever pitch and we'll play the Sweden song from that particular edition of the World Cup. <laughs> I played it before. I like it that much. I'm playing it again. Stick with us. You're on the World Football Programme with Huey on 107.9 Radio Fremantle. Very shortly, we'll have Ross Paul from One Touch Soccer Academy who will discuss his journey to where he got to and all about the One Touch Soccer Academy. The rumble and the rattle. The tell us that battle. Drop you off the saddle. Now hold on tight. Here we go. Can you handle
the true battle, the rumble and the rattle. This one's from the uh, 94 World Cup edition. You know it. Come on, get up. It's time to get up. Come on, watch this. It's time to get up. Let's all celebrate and have a good time. 
that Ross Paul will be joining us very, very shortly, so that's good news for me. But while we've got this underneath this, which is Cool in the Gang celebration from the 94 World Cup edition CD, it would be remiss of me for those who saw in the news Herr Blatter admitting at least a decade too late that he made a mistake by awarding the 2022 World Cup to the country he did. He also pushed... Monsieur Platini under the bus by going, it's not me, it's him. The little froggy did it. Which is typical of hair bladder. You know, you're the president of an association, you're making the decisions, as most leaders of any organisation would say, the buck stops with me, not hair bladder. Oh no, the buck stops with him over there, he did it. Mm. But, surprisingly enough... Uh, even though that Gulf state has been criticised for its stance on same-sex relationships, human rights record and the treatment of migrant workers to build those super air-conditioned stadiums, he said that it was right at the time to have the tournament and, but now says it should not have gone to that particular nation. But not for those reasons I just mentioned, Herr Blatter says that particular Gulf nation is too small. Hmm, too small. I could have think of at least half a dozen reasons as to why it shouldn't have gone there, but that was way back when, including the time frame that we now have for this particular edition of the World Cup. I said it on this show way back when, as soon as that was announced that it would go to that particular thing, we knew that when the Asian Cup was held in that nation that it was done around this time for that nation to then say, no, no, traditional time in the off-season, no problem in 45-degree heat in the middle of a desert, 
we'll air condition the pitches. You need to air condition it anyway. That's why when Australia first played in that Asian Cup, we were playing at night because it was too hot. Oh, maybe I'll find that one. I'm pretty sure I've got... It's too, no, I won't play that one. Uh, but, yeah, Herr Blatter spent 17 years as FIFA president and was forced to step down in 2015 over allegations he unlawfully arranged a transfer of 2 million Swiss francs to Monsieur Platini, uh, who was also forced to resign from FIFA. Uh, Herr Blatter was originally banned by FIFA for eight years and that was later reduced to six and he then received in, in 2022 an additional ban until 2028 for, and I quote, various violations of FIFA's code of ethics. Herr Blatter and Monsieur Platini were charged with fraud last November, but were found not guilty at a trial in Switzerland in July. The awarding of the 2018 and 2022 World Cups, respectively, have been dogged by accusations of widespread corruption, with two investigations launched by Swiss prosecutors and the US Department of Justice. The two nations who were awarded those World Cups denied any wrongdoing and were both effectively cleared by FIFA's own investigation in 2017. FIFA recently wrote to competing nations asking them to now focus on football instead of the competition's controversial build-up. A FIFA letter was criticised, which criticised Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International and LGBTQ plus campaigners in England and Wales, while 10 European football associations, including those of England and Wales, said human rights are universally applied everywhere. Mm. That's an interesting statement from FIFA. I thought Hair Bladder had been given the boot because that's got Hair Bladder's fingerprints all over it, allegedly, according to the author of those comments. Ross Paul coming up after the break. Stick with us. You've got Huey in the chair for 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme, who's doing his best to annoy and upset almost everybody listening. <laughs> it's not by design, it's the news. As I say, don't hate the media. Become the media. That's the easiest way to get points across. If you're not happy with what's going on, do something about it. Stick with us. Ross Paul to come after the break. He is the owner of One Touch Soccer Academy and is the head of female youth development at Perth Soccer Club. So very much looking forward to chatting with him. Listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation, and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258-6822. Or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au Station sponsor. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 
or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Oswest Fencing and Rotine is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Rotine. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. When I look back on my career, I don't want to be asking myself, what if? The time has come to show them our passion, our grit. Show them the meaning of high-energy football. Show them our great Aussie spirit, that we give it our all and never say die. Women's Asian Cup is here. It's time to show them who we are. And welcome back to 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Program, where you've got Huey in the chair being Johnny No Mates. But joining us on the line right now is Ross Paul from One Touch Soccer Academy. Good morning, Ross. How are you today? Not too bad, Huey. How are you? I'm very well. I'm just trying to work that out. There we are. Sorry. Mate, I, like I said, it was a very, very nice surprise as I drove past you on the freeway the other day to go, oh, I could do with that. Ross, before we start about your One Touch Soccer Academy, can you give us the Ross Paul story of how you got to where you are right now? Yeah, well, I got into coaching through my daughter, Katie, who has played since she was four years old. And obviously, growing up back in Scotland, there wasn't a great deal of coaches who played the game. Right. So Katie asked me if I would coach her, and that's where it all began. So started off in community football, right up to uh, professional youth back in Scotland, where Katie played for Kilmarnock Ladies Football Club. Kilmarnock, in the, great. In the under-11s, and I ended up coaching them for almost three years before we moved to Australia in 2019. Great. That's Kilmarnock. They're a a side that, uh, you know, when most people think of Scottish football, go, ah, it's Rangers, ah, it's Celtic. No, no, no. We've got uh, the likes of Kilmarnock, you know, St. Johnson. Yep. Yep. The High Bees, you know, Hearts. It's a fabulous league. So growing up, playing in snow, frozen pitches, that sort of stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You you, you would... (laughs) You would play if it was a hundred mile an hour wind back in Scotland <laughs> and the the rain was coming down from the heavens. So <laughs> it never really stopped. The only time the games really got called off where if it was waterlogged, where it was more of a river than a football field. <laughs> or if the pitch was frozen because it was minus five or six on Saturday mornings. So they were the only times it was really cancelled. Uh, training used to get cancelled if it was snowing. Right, But other than that, it, I think it was a fantastic experience growing up and playing the game in those type of weather conditions because coming over to Australia, the different challenges are more the heat 
rather than the the cold and the rain. That's right. Yeah, yeah. and that's so, uh, one of the, um, the 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 sticking points for the A League at the well the football authorities at the time to make uh, our game a summer sport, which. A lot of people are going, you've got to be kidding me. Particularly here in Perth, there's been more than a few games kicked off at silly o'clock when it's been, you know, 40 degrees Celsius and going, well, it's got to be played. We'll delay it an hour. You've got to be kidding. It's like going to drop maybe one or two degrees. It'd still be, I think, an unhealthy environment to play in. But that being said, the other side of that, which is me being Australian, is so foreign to me that you're playing in minus five degrees with 100 mile an hour winds. I, I, I just... It amazes me how our game can be played in so many different conditions across the world. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, it used to grow up the the scariest thing going onto the pitch <laughs> when it was like one degree or two degree and it was so cold was getting hit with the ball because you used to get the big red whelps on the leg from where the ball hit you. And that, that was the scariest bit of it. Yeah. Sliding about in the, the the mud and everything, it was great fun growing up. <laughs> uh, I loved it. My, my daughter, being a goalkeeper, she absolutely loved it. She thinks nothing better of diving about in mud. <laughs> so uh, it, it was quite entertaining as well. But also, the, the other side is it can be quite dangerous playing in, oh, yeah. in the wet conditions just as much as it can be uh, playing in the the hot weather because back mm. in Scotland you get sports and just asthma because your lungs can't cope breathing so hard wow. and so fast in the cold. Well, of course, I hadn't even thought... Yes, of course. Like when I have been in uh, in colder climates, you, yeah, you have that breathing difficult. That's just me being, you know, a soft Australian. But, yeah, I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't actually thought of that. Wow. That, okay. And heading the ball, was that bad or, or, or was that just no. at, at your own risk? Yeah, head on the ball, I mean, I, I grew up in the, the time where you never thought twice about head on the ball. <laughs> Me too. Maybe spend 20, 30, 40 minutes of training learning how to head on the ball. Yes. And I think I, I understand where all the issues come from, teaching players how to head on the ball. Mm-hmm. But as a parent myself, I would rather my kids be taught how to head on the ball properly. Yeah than to be scared of the ball mid-air and maybe end up with a broken nose or uh, not head on the ball correctly and end up with a bit of concussion because yep. they haven't been taught how to do it. Yep. That, 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 that you, was... you can see the pros and the cons yeah. for why we don't teach it and why you could teach it for a shorter length of time. Yeah, no, that was going to be my one of my... Question. So I'll just. Uh, that's me scribbling that one out because that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly my thought. That uh, particularly in the US, they have a at junior level a ruling. I won't call it a law because the laws of the game are different. But a ruling at uh, association level that particularly at junior level, heading is barred. If you head the ball, it's a free kick to the opposition. And I'm thinking along the same thoughts that you have there, Ross. Yeah. That if you teach youngsters anything correctly and in this case, heading the ball correctly, then the, the, you're minimising the impact of, yeah. of damage to, to, to everybody. Um, it's just, to me, common sense. Teach correctly, then they can perform yeah. correctly. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, I, I coach slightly different. If I'm going to okay. coach how yes. to head a ball, mm-hmm. 
then I ask the parents' permission. Good, yes. So I say, mm-hmm. can, can I spend five, ten minutes yep. on the correct technique? Yeah. That, that's the most I'll do. And they, they learn the correct technique and how to do it. Because if you hit it with the, your forehead, then it's not going to hurt. Yes. It's not hurting the top of your head mm-hmm. when you get that impactful pain. Yep. And you're not going to hit your nose. And for the sake of ten minutes, I can see why they do the, the ban on it. But if you think in reality, when they get to the older age groups where it's not banned, yep. how are they going to learn to that, head of the ball properly? Exactly. And that, how, that, how are they going to learn not to get hurt? Yep. And that's the fear I have, particularly as we uh, I mentioned earlier on in, in the show that the US women's national side are going absolutely crazy that they've lost three in a row. But my thought is that if you're uh, not teaching a particular skill at junior level, that skill at senior level will disappear. So, you know... Oh, 100%. That, that, uh, that goal we saw Aaron Robin score in, uh, in South Africa at the World Cup those sorts of goals will, will be disappearing. Oh, was it? No, that was the 2014 one, wasn't it, when he did that flying header from the penalty spot? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that, you're that, right. that's that iconic. Yeah, it will disappear because it'll end up being a sport where you're mm. not allowed to head of the ball, yep. regardless of how old you are. Exactly. So then, then they'll come in ruling that the ball can't play above head height. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you yeah. actually you lose, in essence, the beautiful game. Exactly right. Yep, yep, we had uh, a bit of a promo with um, uh, earlier on, but yeah, that was it. You know, growing up in, in different areas, different skill sets, but, you know, uh, there was one with um, we had with Johan Cruyff with the overhead kick, and you're saying, like, that, yeah. sort, that sort of thing shouldn't be taught. It's like, well, individuality, the skill sets of, of an individual to actually not only have the ability to do it, but the thought process to think of being able oh. to do it. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, you look at Roberto Carlos oh, with yeah. that fantastic free kick that he had. Oh, yeah. But when you watch the documentary about him, he spends like 20, 30, 40 minutes yes, he did. every single training session hitting 100 or 200 free mm-hmm. kicks mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. perfect his skill. So anything that you want to perfect, it's repetition and practice. Exactly. And that's why all these players become so good at it. And getting on to your One Touch Soccer Academy, that's obviously a, a, an ethos that you would promote there as well, yes? Oh, yeah, definitely. When when anybody comes and does one-to-one sessions with myself, mm-hmm. everything is based on that individual player. So I tend to do an assessment session right. to see what skill level they're at depending on age, whether they play MPL boys, whether they play Division One girls, mm-hmm. and look at their basic skill. Then we perfect some of the basics before moving on, because at the end of the day, if the basics aren't right, right. then the fancy tricks and flicks are never going to happen. Yep. Yeah, we, we espouse that often here on this show. You get the base of the pyramid, right? Whatever that pyramid you're building, if the base is correct... You can build upwards. Oh, 100%. Definitely. And it, too many times, being a coach myself here in Australia, when mm. you're playing in games and you watch the ball get kicked long all the time, yeah. then players can't pull the ball out of the air. They can't mm. control the ball. So everything I teach is ball on the deck. Keep the ball on the ground. Keep the ball as close to your feet as possible. 
then you learn to control the ball better. Yep. Once you learn to control the ball, then with the, if the ball is played in the air, then you can control the ball safely yeah. and be a better player on your first touch. Yeah, yeah. It, it, whenever I hear that, keep the, the the ball on the ground. Brian Clough comes to mind immediately. If God wanted us to play in the air, he would have put grass instead of clouds in the sky. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's it's a funny quote, but it is one hundred percent correct. It's it's played on the ground. Play it. Yeah, let, let the ball do the work. Yeah. Which was what uh, um, attracted me to to your uh, academy. One touch. So. Uh, from what you just said, is it one touch as in one-on-one, you and uh, a trainee, or are we promoting one touch, let the ball do the work, one touch, move it on, one touch, well, move it on? It, it's both. So right. my academy does specific one-on-one training. Brilliant. But I also do small groups. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of 20 and 30 pupils to one coach yeah. doing that because I can't spend enough time with them. No, and the message often gets diluted because if you've got yeah. uh, little Johnny at the or little Janie at the back yeah. uh, messing around, sh- they are missing the message that you're trying to get to. Where if it's exactly. a smaller group, you, cool. yeah, you can see little Johnny or Janie go, hey, yeah. hey, hey, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it. So I do one on one, but I also do the maximum I'll ever do at any one time will be 10 players with right. about two coaches. Yep. A lot of it is one-on-one, so as I can basically dedicate my entire hour session to that one player and really, really drill it into them how important touch and control and basic movements are, then it's all about making the, the ball do the work rather than the player. So if you don't need to take two touches, then one touch will do. Yeah. We'll move the ball on the first touch. Use one touch, yep. then move in to receive the ball back. So anything, one-touch football is sharp, it's fast, it's energetic, but it's nice to watch. It's the way the game should be played. Yeah. So that that's where the, the name came from. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, we are talking to Ross Paul, the owner of One Touch Soccer Academy. Ross, before we go further, do you want to give a shout-out to your company, please? Yep. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. It's One Touch Soccer Academy in Perth. Uh, head over to our page and give it a like and watch some of the videos of some of our uh, academy students training. Fantastic. Now, you said One Touch Soccer Academy Perth. Does that mean there are similar academies with a similar name uh, elsewhere in Australia? No, not as far as I'm aware. Okay. Uh, just I kept it as Perth for Facebook. Good. Good. It makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? Because, you know, you're yeah. typing in Perth, away we go. Now, your other role is Head of Female Youth Development at Perth Soccer Club. Can you explain exactly what that role entails and the scope that you have there? So, being that position at Perth Soccer Club, I'm in charge of the, the youth pathway. So, we have under 10s, under 12s, under 14s and under 16s youth female. Right. Then we go into under-21 MPL, then MPLW uh, senior. Mm-hmm. Team. So with being in charge, I'm also, this season just passed, I was the head coach for the under-14 girls. Wow. So when when the the players come in, certainly for the under-10s and 12s, the, mm-hmm. develop, the, the focus is more on development, making sure they've got the essential skills and the essential ability to play and enjoy themselves and make new friends at 
10 yeah. and 12. Yep, yep. Ready for that jump into competitive football under 14. So at 10s and 12, my, my kids are growing up now, 10s and 12, are, are they still doing uh, um, ruble, that, that that sort of whatever the, uh, mini the, the tag, mini ruse is, is now? Yep. I, I was going to go mini ruse, ruble, mini ruse. <laughs> so they're still, they're still doing that without, uh, you know, that, that competitive who scored yep. what and, and whatever. Yeah, fantastic. So at mini ruse, under 10s and 12s, mm-hmm. it's about playing nine aside. Yep. The, the, there's no league set up. Yes. There's no winners. There's no losers. It is obviously you've got two goals, you need to score yes, goals. Right. So yes, you you'll do. never alleviate no. a little bit of competitiveness because the kids want to go out and score goals. Yes. But as long as they go out and enjoy themselves and have fun no matter what, then that is about getting them to understand the game and enjoying it. Because when you enjoy playing, you play better. Oh, I, so it, yeah. having that fun and enjoyment is key for it's especially the, the female side of the game, because it is still in its infancy. We want to want to promote it and get it moving as best as possible. Yes. Now, it's been a while since I spoke to uh, Perth Soccer Club. Is Danielle Brogan still the Technical Director of Female Football at Perth? Yes, she was last season, yep. Uh, Danielle, I've spoke with her a few times uh, this year, mm-hmm. and we've uh, helped promote the youth pathway into the seniors. We've had some of our youth under 14s and under 16s playing up in the under 21s. Wow. Given them, them that belief that they can do it, but also showing them the pathway from the youth setup into the senior setup so that it helps retain the players that we've spent time developing. Yep. Yeah, so we... some of our players have actually moved up and will sign under 21s this year. Yeah, and that's uh, probably uh, the reasoning for the success that the uh, Perth Soccer Club in the female game had at a senior level, that the, the development at, at the youth level is, again, we've got the base of the pyramid right, and it's it's forcing talent, well, not forcing, it is promoting talent to senior ranks. That's that's fantastic news to oh, hear that. Been, that. This season for the female youth has been fantastic. I mean... Just for example, the under-14s team, I uh, had a chat with them. Before we started, we started pre-season very early to get to get everybody on board and understand the philosophy behind how we wanted to play. Yep. The ball, get playing out from the back mm-hmm. and actually playing as a team, passing. Yeah. So that worked really well this year and the girls really, really understood what we wanted to achieve. Being the first year at competitive football mm-hmm. in the under-14s, they actually went out. The under-14s won the league. Wow. They won the top four grand final. They went to Austrian, to the Austrian Cup. Yes. They won the Austrian Cup. Wow. And we went to Bunbury just about a month ago, yes, and right. we won Bunbury tournament as well. Far so that, that was all just due to getting the ball on the ground <laughs> and playing the game the way it's meant to be played. Fast, one touch, pass and move. And the great thing about this year is we didn't rely on one player scoring all our goals. This season, we had 12 different goal scorers in our team. They all scored a handful of goals each, which is absolutely fantastic. So there wasn't one player that was an out-and-out goal scorer. 
we actually had, I think, in the grand scheme of things, we had five players score over 20 goals each. Oh, my goodness. And then we had four or five players scoring upwards of 15. Then it gradually got lower. But the only positions on the on the pitch that didn't actually score a goal were the defenders and the goalkeeper. <laughs> so it was absolutely fantastic for a team to come together and do that. It was incredible. You didn't think of doing a shillivers and going, we've got a penalty. Keeper, come on up. You, you got one. Well, <laughs> my, daughter, my daughter was the goalkeeper. Okay. And she actually said she, she would have liked the opportunity to do it. Yep. But I think we got like two penalties the entire season. Bloody referees, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but, but on the on the good side of things, everybody in the team assisted with the goal. So not just scoring, yeah. creating the goals. Yep. Even the goalkeeper, Katie, created one of the chances from a fast kick-out. She kicked the ball pretty quickly, caught the team off guard, it went straight to the striker. The striker went up the pitch and scored the goal. Mm-hmm. So there is instances where everybody on the pitch assists. But that is the the entire team we had between twelve and sixteen players at every training session. So that that showed me that was a team that actually wanted to play and develop. Yep, yep. That that's yeah. You one hundred percent there, Ross. You know the amount of times where uh, when I was coaching my son and and you, you see it, it's a it's a cold night. Maybe there's a bit of rain and you rock up. You, you've got your training session plan, you've put all the cones out, and you go, one, two, th- oh, really? Where, where's the rest of them? But to have a squad willing to turn up training day after training day and getting the results on match day is a credit to to yourself uh, down at Perth Soccer Club. That that must give you a, a really good feeling to, to see that, particularly, like I said, on a you know a cold Wednesday night or, a, or, or Thursday oh. and go, they're all here, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it shows that they enjoy the training. Yeah. I mean, I give them over here, what I do is I promote professional-style training. Mm-hmm. With my background being at the professional club, yeah. when I was there, there were certain expectations of me as a coach. Yep. So I've carried on that philosophy to the club of matches now at yeah. Perth. Mm-hmm. And I've carried that style of training on where every training session has a specific characteristic that's needed of the game Yep. so whether it's one touch passing whether it's passing and moving, whether it's three versus two small sided game, everything's got a basic philosophy to do with a certain aspect of the game Fair. now when, when I coach, I don't choose random sessions no. so I'll do a basic session up until the first game mm-hmm. once I do the first game I will analyse that game, then I will see what was good and what went wrong. And whatever went wrong, I'll not tell the girls game day what went wrong, no. but I'll fix it in the training. Good. Because we promote positive coaching. Exactly. That, so yeah. never have a negative comment before the start of the game. Never have a negative comment at half time. And never have a negative comment after the game. Mm-hmm. Regardless if it's win, lose or draw, you should always have positivity. Coach positive, then at training, then we have the discussion. Right, okay, yep. this is this is an issue that I've found on the game that we corrected. Then you correct the issue at training. That's why we train. Yep. Then get into the next game, 
you will always find something to work on. As long as it's not the same thing as the week before, you've done your job coaching, you've corrected that issue, we go on to the next stage. Yeah, it, I mean, you, you're talking to the converted here. If, if only, you know, more coaches take that on board. I know that it's becoming more and more um, uh, accepted that, that, you know, but there's nothing worse than seeing the coach on the sideline just going off his nut. There's been a few times when I've been refereeing and I've, I've actually had to stop the game and go over to the coach and go, mate, you know, this this is unacceptable behaviour, mate. These are these are kids. You, you're not teaching them anything other than to be abusive. You can either walk or change. But uh, it would have been a delight to coach uh, uh, to referee you there, Ross, with, with that attitude. And if uh, yeah, I, I, I can see the change that is there. But we need more and more to take on that philosophy that you have just. Um, you've just spoken about. Now, before we let you go, Ross, and very much like to thank you for joining us here on the World Football Programme, I've got to ask the question, are you a Achilles fan or is there another team in Scotland that you follow? Or is it a Scottish team? Yes. Well, I'm not a Kilmarnock fan. I am actually a Rangers fan. Right. I was hoping that you'd say one of the big two because now we're (laughs) going to get on to the European Champions League. How did you see particularly Rangers with their performance in the Champions League this year? Personally, Mm -hmm. I think it was the worst worst Champions League I've ever seen Rangers play. Wow. I'm I'm a... Devoted fan to the club. Yep. Uh, my, my uncle's actually an ex-Rangers player. So well, it's all well, give, 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 give us a shout-out. What was his name? Oh, his name is uh, Billy Paul. He right. actually lives in Canada now. Okay. Uh, but when I watched them play just now, they're, they're not gone of the days where the players actually play for the badge. No. They now play for the money. Mm-hmm. Where maybe 10, 15 years ago, they actually played for the love of the club yep. and the badge they wear on their chest. Yes, but that's, that's they're, right. They're certainly they're not playing well at all this year, and I'll be the first one to admit it, that if they don't change, they're never going to win anything again because they, they really need to start playing as a team, doing doing the simple thing, just like we spoke about in the programme. Do the, the simple thing, mm. then the rewards will come. Yep. But unfortunately, they're not. They're not playing for their manager. And it's been an absolute dreadful Champions League for them this year. They've actually been taught a few valuable lessons. Yeah, I was going to um, go on to that one. I don't know. We, we don't need to uh, be negative here, but what's your opinion of Van Bronckhorst as the manager? I loved him as a player. Oh, he was great, wasn't he? World class. I loved him as a player. Mm. But as a manager, mm-hmm. he is a good manager. But I don't think his style of play suits the players we have. And you can start to see that now because the players just aren't performing for him, which is a shame because I thought he was going to be absolutely fantastic. But like anything, it can change. Uh, He can turn it around. He said he can. I do believe him. So I'm one of the ones, give him his chance to see if he can do it then. At the end of the year, if it doesn't work, then he's, he's gave it his best shot. Now, as I say, before I let you go, I'm going to push the envelope here. What do you think of uh, Aussie Ange and the other team in that city? Oh, I actually think uh, Ange has done fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not one of the supporters which badmouth the other club. Good. Do I like them? Yep, no, yep. because it's Celtic. But... <laughs> 
I've got to get my hats off to the manager. He's done a fantastic job with him. He's stamped his authority. He's brought in players that I would never thought I would see play in the Scottish football. He's brought in Japanese, Japanese players. players yeah. Fantastic. So, no, he's done a he's done a fantastic job, and that's a credit to him growing up in the game in Australia and doing starting his career off in Australia, then moving over to Japan. Mm-hmm. So he's done an incredible job, and he deserves all the plaudits he gets for it. Wow, that that <laughs> yeah. If there's uh, friends of yours listening to this, they're going to bring a bar of soap around to your house tomorrow. I tell you that that's. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll be my dad mainly because my dad, my dad's a staunch Ranger supporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's very unusual for uh, the blue side of uh, Glasgow to be making those comments about the green side of Glasgow. So well done, you Ross. Um, one more time before we let you go, a shout out to your wonderful academy, please. Yep, uh, head over to Facebook and Instagram, check out One Touch Soccer Academy in Perth. Mm-hmm. Uh, give the give the page a like. There's a biography on there a bit about myself, mm-hmm. and drop us a message if anybody wants to get in touch. Fantastic. And are we training in the off season or is it um, in the pre season to to regular season time? Nope. Uh, 365 Soccer Academy and is the head of female youth development at Perth Soccer Club. Many thanks for joining us, Ross. We'll be in touch again soon, I am certain. And as I say, thank you for joining me here on the World Football Program on 107.9 FM. Thank you very much, Hugh. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you, Ross. Enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye. And that was Ross Paul, as I said, the owner of One Touch Soccer Academy. I was lucky enough to be driving down the freeway, saw his very nice ute go past and went, hello, that'll do for me. We'll get a uh, an interview and find out all about One Touch Soccer Academy. So if you have the thought process of improving your child's ability, there is one way of being able to do that. Kilmarnock growing up and going to Rangers. That's unusual. Never mind. Uh, we will get another music break. I see Len is coming into the building to have Bags Groove. That'll be kicking off in about 10 minutes' time. So please stay with us for that one. But here is the... What have I got lined up? I have the Brazilian theme from the 2002 Fever Pitch World Cup CD. Enjoy. <laughs>
And those that are still listening to the World Football Programme, the Australia-Sweden game has just kicked off. Two minutes in, nil-nil. Sorry, I didn't tee up that other one. Here we go. This is the closing track. It's the anthem from the 20 or 2002 FIFA World Cup. So I had another one teed up, but that's good news. Nearly done. Thank you again for indulging me this unusual edition of the World Football Programme. You're listening to Huey on 107.9 Radio Fremantle's The World Football Programme. Len will be in very, very shortly with Bags Groove, one of our excellent shows here at Radio Fremantle. As I said, you can always become a member of the station and you can restream this particular show by going to our podcast, The World Football Programme. That's program with an E, isn't it, Penny? or going to the Radio Fremantle homepage, selecting Saturday on your day, and then you'll see us there. You'll also see a few photos of the presenters, Sean, Penny, myself, and the greatest wingman the world's ever seen, who is, oh, right, he's not here. I think he's down at Frio at the beer festival. Good for you, Pete. What well up, mate. Have one for me. No, have three for me. World Cup coming up next week. First game, Qatar, Ecuador. Could see that Ecuador did get their opportunity to play. As I said, it was my snide remark that I think it was more due to publicity and changing fixtures and that sort of stuff as to why they were there. But the Confederation of Arbitration for Sport had their findings. They were slapped with a three-point deduction in the next World Cup campaign and a hefty fine. So that's okay, but... Baron Castillo is Ecuadorian. The fact that he was born in Colombia is irrelevant. As we said with Abel Mabil, born in South Sudan, he's a socceroo. We love him.
But before I go, a public service announcement. A Gold Coast woman has copped a huge fine after cameras caught her driving with her mobile phone in her bra. Jenny Pitts was slapped with a $1,078 fine and four demerit points for resting her phone on her body. She was spotted by a seatbelt and phone detection camera, but said she was doing something many women do and had both hands on the steering wheel. I've been fined for resting my phone on my body, Pilt said. Unfortunately, I did what many females do and carried my phone in my bra. Parts of it have been visible and the camera caught it. In Queensland, it's illegal to have a mobile phone in your hand or have it resting on any part of your body, such as your lap when driving. The phone does not need to be turned on or in use for that offence. If your phone is in your pocket of your clothing or a pouch you're wearing, you must not use it in any way. I think that is a ridiculous situation and a $1,000 fine and four demerit points is a huge, huge penalty for, as she said, for something that most women do anyway. <laughs> Len's in the That giggle was Len. He's, he's of the same opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the old joke. What's in the bra stays in the bra. Or am I wrong on that one? <laughs> uh, EPL kicking off. It's the last round before the World Cup kicks off. We've got Man City playing Brentford, which is, uh, I think, the early kickoff tonight. We've got Liverpool against Southampton. Bournemouth will play Everton. West Ham will play Leicester City. We've got Tottenham Hotspur, Leeds United. That's tomorrow. Forest will take on Palace tomorrow. Newcastle will play Chelsea in the later game tomorrow. Wolves will play Arsenal. Brighton will take on Aston Villa Monday morning. Fulham will play Manchester United Monday as well. That's the roundup of the EPL. That's me done. Thank you very much for having me. We'll be back next week with a World Cup special and you will be able to catch the restream wherever you get your restreams from. Len is taking out those, those CDs, which is nice. And bye for now. You and stay safe, Perth. Back again soon. That's not the right button. There it is. <laughs> Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.